0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson.
2: So you know that feeling when you tweet something really clever and the immense satisfaction it brings when your phone just blows up with notifications, like, oh my god, I am viral. But what does it feel like to actually go viral? As Cosmopolitan.com contributor Noelle Hancock, who we're going to talk to a little later on the podcast, wrote, you learn what it is to be a polarizing entity either loved or hated, like mayonnaise or country music. And what about this idea of outrage culture when you go viral in a bad way? It seems like every other day there's a three-year-old tweet from a celebrity or a clip from a comedian set that the internet is just not here for. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast, and today we are talking about what it's like to go viral. Joining me on the panel today is Cosmo's social media editor and my dear friend, Caitlin Scott. Hi. Hi, Caitlin.
1: (laughs) Caitlin, have you ever gone viral? Well, actually, just recently I tweeted a tweet that went viral, or at least viral for me. What? How many retweets (laughs) did it get? Like 15,000, which is pretty good. I thought you were going to say like 15. No. (laughs) 15,000. What was this tweet? It was so like dumb. I actually really didn't think it was going to go viral but isn't that how everything goes? Right. Um, but it was a photo of <laughs> a Tupperware inside Tupperware and then it said like me opening up to someone. <laughs> Oh, like many layers. Of yeah, color. yeah, okay, yeah. That's actually like that's a terrible to
2: talk about on the podcast because it's not funny if you can't see. Yeah,
1: it. no, I'm gonna yeah. Zero, zero <laughs> verbal
2: retweets. And we have a very special guest also in the Cosmos Studio today, who's essentially made a career out of going viral, even before viral was a thing. I would say <laughs> we have one pith of sync with us here right now, and the host of Logos Finding Prince Charming. Please welcome to the podcast, Lance Pass. Well, Hi, hello,
3: Lance. ladies.
2: Hello. <laughs> How are are you, I'm good. Um, Lance, are you you're like an official famous person, you've been famous <laughs> your whole life. Does that mean you're the first to know about every single cool thing that happens? Pretty much, Pretty much. yeah, so, yeah. So, what's happening today?
3: Well, I can't tell you that <laughs> we have our meeting later on tonight about oh, right. all the cool things happening this week, and uh, then
2: like in three weeks, they'll filter down to us. Like, yeah, normally. I mean, I
3: knew the Hillary Clinton pneumonia thing about a week ago, so <laughs> I was really in the know.
2: You planted that uh, story, yeah. Um, Lance, you've like, it's, I actually feel like it's interesting to talk about the idea of going viral with you because you really are like pre viral. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what you called it back in yeah. the day. Well, I'm glad
3: there was no social media back right. then because I probably would have embarrassed myself a lot.
2: Right, yeah. right. And no right. one
3: wants to see those pictures of me in the late 90s. <laughs> not good.
2: We actually do. We actually do. <laughs> but so is that something you think about all the time? Like, every time you tweet something, every time you say something, every word of this podcast, like, do you have to think about it through that lens of like, People pay attention mm-hmm. to what I say. Like oh. this could blow up into a shitstorm. Well, storm.
3: sadly, you do, and yeah. um, I'm—I don't really think about it too much, <laughs> which I get in trouble a lot <laughs> for. Uh, but if you just misspell a word, I mean, you're you're destroyed, right, o- on social media. So right. yeah, you have to think about every little thing that you do,
2: right? Like if there's a your your mistake, oh, <laughs> yeah. like that's just like never mm-hmm. completely. You yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> and if so you know down. you get autocorrect on something different, you're like I swear it was autocorrect, it wasn't me. I'm not stupid.
2: Um, so, do you have rules for yourself about things you would just like topics you would never go there, like things you just completely keep off of your social?
3: I used to. Okay. Uh, there's there's certain things you don't talk about. Yeah. And that's you know politics, religion, and the Kardashians. <laughs> and unfortunately, all three of those are major subjects on my my, my talk show that I have with SiriusXM. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's sad to say that, you know, when you have to talk about subjects like that, that you divide your audience in half. Yeah. And half are not just going to disagree with you. Half are going to hate you. Yeah. Right? With vile in their, you know, in their speech. They, they're going to hate you
2: yeah, but in some ways, in 2016, in this like very divisive climate we live in, and especially in this election year, like it kind of feels like you have to take a stand on things.
3: You do, but the sad thing is no one can figure out the difference between fact and perception. That's what I've learned, That's especially real. this this uh, you know political season. It doesn't matter what you say about the candidate you support. people have already made up their mind. Yeah, and even if they don't, uh, you know, listen to real facts, they're just gonna believe in the perception that they have on it. So you're you're not gonna change their mind. You're just not.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's hard too because social media can be so polarizing. Like you follow people that you like believe in, and then you follow your tunnel. Yeah, of opinions mm-hmm. and yeah, that's it. Right, exactly.
2: No one is going to like real news where you're seeing both sides of the story, even no. though everyone. Well, there really, that's what
3: they want. I mean, there's no real news anymore. I mean, yeah. really, no one fact checks anything anymore. So people can just say whatever they want to, and it, it's all just a big old PR stunt now.
2: Yeah, but. Okay, speaking of PR sense, this is like a like I'm this is a half baked question that I'm just formulating in my mind right now and it's kind of like insider y baseball. But like I have to say, as someone that works at Cosmo, like, you know, all celebrities will kinda talk about like the media, the media, Mm -hmm. the media twists everything that I say. And like on one level I totally understand that and Mm -hmm. stuff like that happens all the time, but but I think it's interesting, a celebrity like you, where you are like a friend of the media right. and you have your own show mm-hmm. and you've done a ton of television and like, you kind of play both sides of it. So what is your perspective on that sort of... Like people... Not that I need to like defend the media, like right. I get it, but like I think you have kind of an interesting perspective on that because mm-hmm. you see both sides of the relationship. Yeah,
3: I do, and you know, there's nuggets of truth in everything, um, but you know, the media is there for entertainment. You know, it is not really for fact anymore. It's just, it's really all for entertainment and to to shock people. Uh, so most of the headlines you read are just you know half truths and sometimes just completely lies, and no one is held responsible for. It. So you know, it is frustrating to see certain things you know talked about I'm like no that's not how it went down because I was there yeah I I was you know I I know what happened and and it's funny to see how different outlets will will portray certain events
1: yeah what did you do when you saw like an insane headline about something that you knew was totally false and it was like about you did you ever like go back to publication being like why did you No,
3: I mean you want to defend yourself so much but you can't because if you defend yourself that just puts more of a spotlight on that lie Uh, so you learn just to kind of take it you know take it on the chin and, and just move on
2: um, one of your biggest viral moments was when you came out in people. What, oh yeah. yeah, What was? <laughs> love that reaction. <laughs> what was the decision about making something very private like that public?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it was hard. Uh, it was you know, coming out is is a huge deal to anyone in the LGBTQ community, uh, and no one will understand that how how frightening it is, and the and you're, you're kind of blind to what reality is, because you're told your whole life that, you know, everyone hates you and that you're wrong and that, you know, that there's just something wrong with you. So when you finally realize, wait a minute, there isn't something wrong with me. I'm This is just me, the normal me. Um, you want to be able to tell people that. And when I came out, you know, in people, uh, I really wasn't ready. I was kind of forced to do it. Um, so if I could go back and uh, educate myself more on uh, the community, I, I wish I could have, because I think I could have said... Uh, better things when I came out. I mean, I had 24 hours to oh
2: my god to come out,
3: and wow. it was on the covers of all the newsstands in right. 24 hours. So I wasn't ready, right? Uh, and, and and so you know, hindsight of course is you know, uh, so I, I don't know. I just I wish I could go back and say certain different things and, and maybe have helped a little more.
2: Well, 24 hours is no time at all to wrap your no. brain around something that important no. and that personal. Uh-uh. But I think it is sort of interesting the idea of coming out because you see that a lot with you know with celebrities but like even a lot of these sort of like YouTube stars or viral stars where you know the coming out video that goes viral and Mm -hmm. I feel for those people because on one hand you want people to be able to speak their truth but on the other hand like you know it's interesting to hear you say like you weren't totally prepared or you maybe would have done it a little bit differently and then you think about somebody you know like some 16 year old in Iowa that has had like no experience in the spotlight and Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're in this weird. I think the hope. Tell me what you think about this. I think the hope is eventually that people won't have to come out at all and it won't be a statement that people that have would to be make. nice. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, it, we, we have a while to go with that. I mean, we still people have not normalized um, certain things. I mean, just look at uh, interracial marriage. I mean, look how long we've been working on you know civil rights for you know <laughs> in, for African out. Americans and yeah. and people still stare at people holding hands on the street that you know are an interracial you know couple. Right. Uh, you know, if you see two guys holding a hand on the street, I mean, people still are very they're they're weirded out. There's a huge phobia over that. So the more visibility we have of that, and that's why I love you know a show like Finding Prince Charming because we you know on your television you can turn it on and see guys dating. And you might not be comfortable with that because you're just, you don't, you've not been around that. And that's totally valid and fair. But the more that you see that and see that the world's not ending, the more you're gonna be, it's gonna be normal to you. And then maybe 20 years from now, you won't even think about it. And your kids definitely won't be thinking about it.
2: Right. Do you think when stories go viral, when someone comes out in people or when a YouTube star releases a video and these things really go viral, because that's all we're talking about is going viral, do you think that helps the cause?
3: Uh yeah I do yeah I mean because it shows it shows the support we're most people are bandwagon people so you know it, <laughs>
2: like raises hand yeah
3: right <laughs> and you know people want to fit in they want to feel a part of something so when you see you know someone come out and you see everyone supporting them and giving their love and then you kind of jump on that bandwagon you're like yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with that but if it went the other way and everyone yeah. was saying oh that's terrible oh you're going to hell and just uh, how disgusting is this. most people would jump on that and be like, yeah, yeah, that's terrible. I don't don't agree with that at all.
1: Well, kind of jumping off of that, when Colton Hayes came out, it was a big thing, and people thought that the way he came out even was, like, wrong or something, Mm -hmm. and people really sent him a lot of hate, and it wasn't even just Mm -hmm. for the fact that he came out, it was the way he did it.
3: Yeah, from the gay community. Right. Right. Uh So
1: that's a, a... that sucks. Like, he's trying to do something that he believes in, and not, even that is like seems like not enough. Well, that is, I think,
2: and again, part of what we're talking about in the context of this episode about going viral, but all the policing that happens on social media, mm-hmm. and whether you're saying a statement that people agree with or not, like, even something that everyone agrees with, or everyone thinks is positive, or like, yes, like, Colton should be able to, like, be his true self and not have to hide it. Like, there is still, like, a right and a wrong way to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, for famous people like Lance. Caitlyn and I can do whatever the <laughs> hell we want. Uh, um, Lance, on a later note, tell us about a hilariously delicious moment from your Insync days that no one cared about at the time, but now if it were like on YouTube, would be so crazy viral.
3: Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> a
2: secret.
1: A viral secret from the death. A princess. viral
3: secret. I don't know. Yeah, I from mean,
1: the vault. <laughs> if,
3: if, if I had, you know, a camera phone on me back in the day, we would have had some really funny moments. There was a... a, a Joey Fatone used to... Uh, his video camera everywhere and he in fact released a video of all kind of like the behind the scenes stuff of us and we were just silly teenagers yeah so i'm sure a lot of our stuff would i mean it kind of reminds me of the old beatles days where they would you know do those cheesy movies yeah um, we were just as cheesy so <laughs> I think, yeah, a lot of our, you know, we probably would have gotten our own TV show, like The Monkees or something. Yeah. uh, Because we were just really, really silly and just stupid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That that was such a good PC.
3: Yeah, right, right, yeah. (laughs) You're like, we (laughs) were
2: (laughs) silly. But, um, you know, you kind of started this off by saying, like, oh, I'm so glad it wasn't as much of a thing back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there, do you think it would have been, do you think it's harder to be a star today? Is it harder to be... Harry Styles than it was to be Lance Best.
3: Um, I mean, in certain ways, yeah. yeah. Because I think, you know, people are watching you a lot closer. Uh, I feel like I could really get away with anything back then. I mean, I don't remember, you know, I would go out to a club at 18 years old and no one would care, you know. Yeah. I and mean, even if people caught you, you know, paparazzi outside, that wouldn't be a, a, a headline.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, now, you know, if someone will have a camera inside the club yeah. and then they'll get you doing something that you're not even doing it. like if you're looking down and then all of a sudden it looks like you're, you know, looking at someone's breasts. Yeah. You know, then they'll just make some story out of that. So you can't really go anywhere without all eyes on you, so I think it is harder, you know, to be a celebrity, especially a young celeb.
1: Yeah, right now. jumping off that, do you feel like you have to post more from your personal life now than you did back then just to like keep your fans happy? <laughs> oh, yeah, to like feed the fandom,
3: right? Uh, you know, I it's weird, I go back and forth on social media, I, I think I was the last to join Twitter. Uh, And then I loved it because I thought, I was like, wow, everyone's so positive on Twitter. Everyone's just so nice online. That changed very quickly. I'm like, now everyone's just so mean. Uh, So I don't really tweet as much. I'm a big Instagrammer. I love Instagram because I love photos. I mean, and
2: you have the like outfit of the day.
3: Well, not not that, but I just, I I have a bad memory. So I like going back and looking at my photos and be like, oh, that's what I did a year ago. Um, so it's more for myself than anyone else. Um, but I, I love collecting pictures. And so I love social media outlets like Instagram.
2: How many times would you say you have posted something and then basically like second guessed yourself and immediately deleted it?
3: I don't think I've done that once.
2: Really? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. My God. If I do it, I'm like, ah, screw it. Even if, I, <laughs> even if I misspell something, I'm like, I'll just take it. You know, yeah. I just. I'll, <laughs> the
2: damage is done. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I feel like I guess like I can get away with that because like, you know, it, it takes a while for those likes to accrue on the old yeah. personal account. But well, for you, it's like the second something is out there, um, mm-hmm. people are going to screen grab it. Oh, and, yeah. like, there's no way for it to disappear or mm-hmm. to, to be deleted. Yeah. Um, what has, what kind of um, viral stories, as again, the barometer for everything cool in the world, what kind of viral stories um, captivate you? Like, are you one of those, like, I can't get enough of cat videos? Well,
3: I was about to say animal videos. It's, <laughs> my husband's the same way, and he's always the ones that finds all the really cool animal stuff. Yes, I, I love cute puppies, <laughs> and uh, I was just watching one today, oh my gosh, right before I got here, there was a baby bear. And a baby deer. And they were meeting it the first time. And it was pretty much the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the bear was giving it bear kisses. Yeah, I like stuff like that.
2: You like stuff like that? I
3: like positive. See, I'm not a negative person. On all my social media, you know, and, and even for my New Year's resolution, I it was n- not to post anything negative whatsoever. And this is a political year, too. So this, yeah. this is really hard not to do. But I like to try to stay positive because there's so much negative out there. At least you can come to my pages and kind of have a, you know, um, a breath of fresh air.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but then, like, when you're trying to stay positive, like, that kind of maybe limits what you can talk about.
3: Well, yeah, but even when you're positive, people can get really... Na- I mean, if you say, oh, the sky's blue. No, it's not. <laughs> right. It's greenish, whatever. You know, it's like, what? It, it's, like, people... Just disagree with anything you say.
2: Do you remember like the most ridiculous rumor that you've ever heard about yourself, or is and it just like? Where do we begin? Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I mean, wow. There, there was one time in England uh, when we were first starting because we live in Germany the first two years of our career, and uh, I got banned from some something for uh, no, no. I was banned from having sex. What? Because I did so, I forget what it was, but yeah, and that was like a headline. Like Lance has been has been banned from having sex. I'm like, <laughs> what? How do you ban someone from having sex?
2: That's gonna be the title of this podcast. Lance yes. Bass opens up about yeah. the time His he was ban- banned.
3: His ban sex. is finally lifted.
2: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm.
3: right. It was like a headline. You know? I'm like, oh what? my gosh!
2: Like, really? Okay. That is so crazy. Mm. Yeah, and it's crazy to think about again, like, if throughout your entire career, when you were, like, a tiny little lad, if there had been social media, like, all of that stuff that would just be people would still be, like, retweeting or, like, mm-hmm. tagging you in those. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens often enough.
3: Yeah, it does. Yes, it is. It's, I wish, you know, on the other side of the field, I do wish that Twitter was around, you know, during the height of Insync, because then I'd have, you know, 80 million Twitter followers at this point. <laughs> uh, and I could have used that. That would have been nice, because, you know, when you have that that amount of people seeing what you say I mean that's a lot of power yeah I mean these you know Katy Perry and Taylor Swift all these people they have more power than the president of the United freaking states yeah and that's not uh, that's for real like they have more you know they can talk to more people than the president can that's Pretty powerful.
2: I would actually, especially say, and like you know this better than anyone, that that is especially true of cute boys with uh-huh. young female fans. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like any time one of those One Direction boys like sneezes, it's mm-hmm. a literally a trending topic on oh, Twitter. Oh yeah.
3: No, it's. I mean, the, and I know that fan base very well. You know, the teenage girls are amazing. And yeah. Uh, I mean, there's this. I don't know what his name is, but my my management company that did In Sync, they have a little kid. Um, he's probably like 14 years old, whatever, uh, just getting started. He's been, you know, going for about a year now and it hasn't released anything on the radio. I, I haven't seen him anywhere. It's like three million followers, just because he's a crazy. cute little kid that was a really great singer. No way. With no promotion, nothing. Is he on like Musically or whatever? I don't know what that is. That's What's what Musically. That's
2: like what all the like tweens. <laughs> is. Oh really? It's a lip-syncing app where people uh-uh. just like record themselves literally singing snippets. of so It's like lip-sync battle, but for exactly. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like a that. tinier, like do it in your living room version. I'd
3: be good at that.
1: Yeah.
2: Times <laughs> up. <you should. laughs> yeah, exactly. It's
3: all arranged right go. now. Exactly.
2: Oh my god, I'm so excited! I just told you about. I
3: know, <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Maybe I'm not in cool. the know.
2: You. Jeez. <laughs> no, you're so in the know. So um, I know that you have to um, head back to your real non-Cosmo life, but two things. First of all, I want to hear about the show, but before mm-hmm. that, before we have to wrap up, before that, I want to say this one creepy time. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was like a year ago, but a bunch of Cosmo editors were at Vandal yeah, and you were there eating dinner. I do remember
3: that, yeah. <laughs> and we
2: came over to you That was my like, first
3: time at Vandal. I love that place. Yeah, yeah. same. Uh-huh. And we came
2: over to you like little fangirls and you came into the I, picture yeah, of us. I remember that. Yeah, Caitlin, you weren't there, but it was right before Kathleen. Cause I knew yeah. someone yeah. With I saw y'all. your guys' picture yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah.
3: I knew someone with y'all. Uh, Tara Reid's sister. Yeah, yes.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, our coworker, Kathleen, was about to get married and she's a huge, <laughs> (laughs) fan of yours (laughs) and she literally cried for like three days after
3: (laughs) oh i love that
2: (laughs) anyway that has that has nothing to do with anything just wanted to throw that out there um so tell us about the show
3: uh well it's called finding prince charming it's on logo uh we are right after rupaul's all stars which i'm so excited rupaul won his emmy he won for host which i'm very excited about and it really is one of the best shows on television it you know not only is it just funny you know with all these you know drag queens but it has so much heart and that's what i love about finding prince charming also it's you know a silly reality show a dating show and it's the first All gay dating show, which I can't believe is 2016 and we're saying that. I know. Um, And I'm a huge fan of Tila Tequila's show and The Bachelor and all that type of stuff. So I was so excited to, you know, have been asked to host this thing because I get to see it as it goes, you know, goes down. Um, And yes, there's a lot of drama. And, you know, the first episode just aired on Thursday. So we have the second one this Thursday uh, at 9 p.m. But it, again, like RuPaul has so much heart because this is the first time you're seeing. You know a bunch of gay guys living in a house together where they start you know talking about things that they've never talked about before and never revealed about themselves and you know it's a very tricky you know community you know especially in the dating world because you know just a couple years ago we were allowed to get married so a lot of us are very warped in what dating is like in the gay community um and all of us start very late in life with those first dates so you know it, a lot of people have a lot of sad stories, and um, a lot of those come out in this show. so. You'll definitely, uh, you know, shed a tear watching this series, but you're gonna laugh a lot too because there are some characters in this house.
2: Oh my god, I can't wait! I love to watch things that make, make me like crack up laughing and uh-huh. also cry. Well, that's <laughs> it.
3: And I love shows like this too because you know I, I treat it like a sport. I play a fantasy league on everything, Big Brother and all that. And I play <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I wish I could play a fantasy league on this one, but you know I know everything, you know, so I win. Uh, but when I when I shot the first episode. I went in and uh, I was like, okay, by the end of this day, I'm going to pick my top three and see if if they make it, you know, to the end. And I did that with a show and I picked two of the three. Oh
2: Oh my Uh gosh. I am good at this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say, like, also, again, I know you have to go, but just to like, kind of like, close the conversational loop on all of this, like now you're in a position like you want moments from the show to go viral. Oh, right? Yeah. Like you want it to be like
1: so it's kind of that weird mm-hmm. like are you gonna put out your own memes into the world. Oh, yeah. If
3: I knew how to make a meme, I would Yeah uh, <laughs> we can I'll, help you. Yeah, please help me with that. Yeah. But this this show would probably be the most memed show because uh, you'll see there's a there's a guy, a suitor named Robbie. Robbie. That you will fall in love with. And oh my God, already he am.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> he's going to give you yeah. every
3: sound bite you've ever wanted in life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I can't wait. Let's
1: see one of your <laughs> top three picks. Can you tell us?
3: I can't tell you that. You're going to have to watch.
2: You're like, I literally can't tell you. It's in my accommodation. <laughs> I just got to say, <laughs> though,
3: Robbie might get a spinoff. That's how good he is Oh,
2: my God, show. Robbie. You heard of your first. I love oh, him already. Oh, yeah. Going to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lance, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for um, And come back on the podcast soon, and or I'll just stalk you at dinner. Sounds good to me. Perfect. <laughs> Great. All right. <laughs> see you then. Bye. 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 So if you are like me, the shelf space in your bathroom is precious real estate. That's why I'm excited to introduce you to a line of beauty products that is as great at multitasking as you are. Kapari. They are products that moisturize skin and hair, smell great, but without any icky stuff like sulfates and silicones and GMOs and parabens. Instead, Kapari products are made with 100% organic coconut oil. I have used all the products in the Kapari line, and I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but since I last talked about it, I've become even more obsessed with these. If you're like me, and you have really dry skin, and over Labor Day weekend, you did a bad job of wearing sunscreen at the Minnesota State Fair, and now your skin is flaking all over your body, you're really going to love this. They're super, super moisturizing, even for people like me with like problem skin, you could say. Um, And I feel actually with these Kapari coconut oil products, like I've become that like character in my big fat Greek wedding that uses Windex for everything. And I've really started to be like coconut oil for all problems, like for chapped lips, for my sunburn, like to put on this like weird blister on my foot. And they're really great for all of those. Um, I especially love the coconut balm was my original favorite. It's like a super smoothing dry skin product. I've also really been into the oil, which comes with one of those little like oil droplet things. You can like literally put it anywhere. Um, And Kapari's whole promise is that they're really giving you the best of the best. Again, no icky ingredients like I mentioned earlier, super high quality, it smells really good. Um, The texture is great and you can really use it anywhere. So I promise you guys are gonna like it. Check it out, go to kaparibeauty.com slash Cosmo to get 20% off your order. That's Kapari, like K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash Cosmo for 20% off.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: When our next guest wrote an article for Cosmopolitan.com called Why I Gave Up a $95,000 Job to Move to an Island and Scoop Ice Cream, it was shared over half a million times. She was a guest on the Today Show. She had a rebuttal piece posted on Elle.com, and she got tons of emails and comments from strangers. Please welcome Noelle Hancock. Hi, Noelle.
0: Hi guys,
2: nice to be here, thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you because like, I know I just said everything in this little intro, but this story was just such, as you know, was such a massive hit for Cosmo. It's been years since and people still talk about it. Um, And so like, Caitlin and I are both in the social media space, so I feel like we got like a front row seat to seeing this article go insanely viral. And so for people that maybe haven't read it, which is basically no one in the world at this point, but can you give them a little brief recap of what the article you wrote for Cosmo was about?
4: Sure. Um, So to preface this answer, basically, after college, I spent my 20s as a journalist. And then after I hit my 30s, I realized that I wasn't happy. Uh, I was making you know, almost $100,000 a year, but I was burnt out. I felt like all I did was look at screens all day. My BlackBerry was constantly firing off even when I wasn't at work. Um, My life was just ruled by technology. Like all I did was live my life waiting for the next vacation to some tropical place. Uh, I'd always dreamed of living in the Caribbean. So one day I just realized if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to do this. And I bought a one-way plane ticket and moved to a tiny island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And, you know, it just has 4,000 people. And I took a job scooping ice cream and then later bartending. And I'd been doing that for the last five and a half years. And then one day I received an email from a Cosmo editor I knew back in New York named uh, Lori Fracton, who's wonderful, And she said, hey, we're looking for articles about people who've made a major life change. Would you want to write an essay about moving to the Caribbean? So I wrote, you know, about my experience of moving to this rustic island where I routinely have to shoo wild chickens out of my house.
2: I just like remember everything about this article so clearly like the photo of yeah. you on the beach in the bikini like <laughs> jumping and I remember the poll quote that you just sort of paraphrased that was like if you are constantly thinking that you need a vacation maybe what you really need is a new life like this was just stuck out so clearly in my head and I know that everybody you know I think that was why this article was so widely shared there was something just irresistibly shareable about it, as you were watching this happen and watching the share account go up and starting to get flooded with feedback and comments and tweets, what was your reaction to all of that?
4: Well, I was actually drunk when the article.
2: <laughs> it,
4: was, it was my day off and I was at happy hour. So my reaction was like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, seriously. But uh, yeah, over the course of that day, like, I started getting texts from friends and my sister saying, you know, hey, this article of yours is really taking off. It's been shared on social media 50,000 times. And then an hour later, she texted me. It had been shared over 100,000 times. And You know, in the end, it was shared almost 600,000 times on social media. And by the time I got home that night, I'd received hundreds of Facebook messages about the article from people I'd never met. I received emails from the producers of The Today Show and Good Morning America asking if I'd go on their shows the next day. So my reaction was shock. Um, You know, I hadn't written anything in over five years. So to write an article that received so much attention straight out of the gate was just really quite surprising.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you talk pretty candidly about not really wanting to write again. And then, you know, wrote this piece that blew up. Did it kind of make you feel like, oh, like, I still got it?
4: <laughs> it wasn't that I actively did not want to write again. The, de- the desire just simply flowed out of me. Um, I-, I just wanted to get out of my head and work with my hands. I wanted to, you know, finish my work for the day, wipe down a counter, leave and have my free time be my own. Uh, it was really meditative, working with my hands and getting to interact with people face-to-face instead of through a screen for a change. Um, but I'm you know, so glad I took the assignment because it's not that it made me think, like, I still got this. Uh, it was more a reminder that writing can actually inspire people. Right. Uh, so much writing these days, you know, on blogs and in comment sections just comes from a negative place. And it was uh, just a lovely reminder that the written word can actually be used for good. <laughs>
2: right but one thing that I think is interesting is that your story was so positive and not really controversial especially in the way that we would think about it now but there was also some hate to it actually like quite a bit and you just wrote a follow-up piece for Cosmo again and sort of talked about um you know life after going viral so talk a little bit about that
4: yeah that was really interesting. Um, You know, it's funny, like it used to be the case that when you did something successful, you got like a stretch of time in which you got to enjoy the praise (laughs) before the backlash started. Um, You know, and now with the immediacy of the Internet and the 24-hour news cycle, praise and criticism just show up hand in hand, you know, Mm -hmm. for every comment that was saying like, oh, this is so wonderful, you know. I would love to do something like that. You know, this is inspiring me to make a change. You know, there's somebody else just saying, well, we can't all just move to an island and, you know, something like that. Right. You know, I have kids or what have you. Um, and as I say in the article, like, part of me wonders if that's why I backed away from writing. Um, there's something sort of awful about knowing that because of this new culture of online hatred, that anything you create will immediately be torn apart by hundreds or even thousands of people. And that that tearing apart witnessed by hundreds or thousands of people and you know it's quite daunting and i think just stymies the creative process and people's confidence as well
2: right what was the re- reception like on the island i mean it's a teeny tiny island
4: it is yeah everybody kind of knows each other um many people on the island told me that they liked it um and then there were people who didn't like it they had proprietary feelings and didn't want you know attention that was being brought to their home and they thought it was going to be overrun by people inspired to move there that i was you know this kind of attention seeking upstart who was exploiting the place for my own gain um you know someone wrote an editorial in the local newspaper saying that i was going to ruin everything that was great about the place and you know there were debates on facebook going back and forth about you know whether i should have written the article or named the island and you know but nobody actually comes out and says the criticism to your face.
2: Right. <laughs> just, You're just really caring about it at all. Yeah. Everything is written, which is interesting. Was it irresistible to just Google yourself and read every single thing and refresh the comments?
4: Oh, gosh. You know, I had worked in blog, you know, and, you know, blogging and reporting for so long that, like, you know, I know that people are mean and they're crazy. And so I didn't, I, you know, went from the beginning, said, I'm not going to read these comments at all. And then when I went on the Today Show, one of their questions was, you know, please go through and pick out, like, what were the funniest comments or what was the most surprising comments. So I had to, like, dive you in. You were forced. <laughs> I did. Uh, you know, gosh, it was, and my, you know, my boyfriend, who doesn't work at all in the media, was, like, reading over my shoulder, and he's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I just, I don't think I like the internet anymore. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the show, buddy. I mean, it's... Right,
2: right. Welcome uh, to being a lady who writes in 2016. (laughs) Or that was, what, 2014 at the time. But same thing. So to sort of sum it all up, what were the best and worst parts for you about being an overnight viral sensation?
4: Well, um, well, the worst part, you know, about it wasn't the criticism of me. You know, like I said, I've been a blogger and I know that people are crazy. Uh, The worst was that, Some some commenters brought up my family. Uh, Mm. People would write that my parents were bad parents for having raised an indulgent daughter who'd throw away her Ivy League education to go move to an island and scoop ice cream. They'd spoiled me or whatever. And, you know, people would look them up and refer to them by their first names. Or, you know, one person looked at my father's financial information and posted it online. I mean, you know. That is so
2: ludicrous it's
4: crazy and you know my parents were just so excited about the article they were excited I'd written anything you know especially for a famous you know publication and so they sent it to family members and friends only to have these comments attached to it they were just laden with this vitriol and you know but I mean the best part is easy it's you know getting so many letters from people telling me that I'd inspired them to make a change in their life it's you know it's just the most humbling thing in the world having someone tell you that you gave them the courage to leave a job or a relationship or a place that they weren't happy in. It's, you know, an indescribable feeling. So at the end of the day, you know, the hateful comments don't matter. It's just that one person, you know, you helped live their best life and you know, that's all that matters and the rest is just nonsense.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Noel, thank you so much for sharing your original piece with us and with the follow up (laughs) and for talking about it now and for all the things that we can't wait for you to write in the future for Cosmo and for everywhere else. It was great chatting with you. It was great for me. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) So you guys know because I talk about this all the time on the podcast, but I'm obsessed with like making baby steps towards being like a healthier individual who's living my best life. And that is why I'm so excited to talk about Sunbasket because if you're like me and you don't really have time to like always be as healthy as you should, you don't really go to the grocery store and meal planning is like a confusing thing that you don't ever really do. Um, and you just don't have time in your life, you're going to love Sun Basket. Sun Basket delivers delicious, healthy recipes and fresh ingredients straight to your door, and you can prepare each meal in 30 minutes or less. It's healthy cooking made easy, and I would say, having done this a million times now, that it's also really, really fun. You'll get organic, non-GMO ingredients from the best farms and fishermen. Everything is seasonal and sustainably sourced. They (laughs) offer—I basically have no eating allergies whatsoever. I like all the foods. But if you're pickier than I am, they have paleo paleo options, gluten-free, vegetarian options, everything created by a team of award, award-winning chefs and approved by nutritionists. So each meal comes with pre-measured fresh ingredients, so you don't have to do boring things like use a measuring cup. Um, and it's just super easy to follow. And again, really, really fun. I did. I made all the meals with my roommate. They were delicious. It was actually a ton of food. If you're like lucky enough to be married, it would probably be a really fun thing to do with your partner. Although I wouldn't really know anything about that, but I can vouch to how delicious the food is, um, and tasted really like high quality and kind of gourmet. So a lot more fun than like anything you would normally. Um, make yourself at least if you're a bad cook like I am. So go to sunbasket.com/cosmo today and get your first three meals absolutely free. That is sunbasket.com/cosmo to get three healthy, easy to prepare meal- meals totally free. Um, and let me know what you guys think. I promise, I promise that you will love it.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: Our next guest posted two pictures on Facebook that she captioned, here's my non-traditional before and after photo. The before image was of her in a bikini on stage at a bodybuilding competition. And in the after image, as she describes in a piece posted on Cosmopolitan.com, she says, I was sitting naked. I put on a few pounds and no longer had my flat tummy. But I loved how I looked in the second shot. I saw a sexy, confident woman. The photo was shared over 20,000 times and had over 100 million views. Please welcome Tarim Brunfit. Hi, Tarim. Hi, how are you going? Good, I remember so clearly when you posted this and we covered it on Cosmo, which it's been several years ago now, but I was doing social media for Cosmo at the time and this just exploded. Like you were really one of the first people to sort of tap in, I think, in this really visceral and viral way to the way that women feel about their bodies.
5: Yeah, and it was very organic. You know, I I never meant for it to go viral. I just had something I wanted to share and I didn't actually really even think through the decision to put a nude photograph of myself on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did. And, um, of course, I'm I'm so thrilled that I did because it's given my voice a a platform to be heard. And, um, you know, since that time, a lot of women have learned to embrace their bodies unconditionally um, because of the conversation that 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 photograph started.
2: And was there, what was the moment where you sort of realized, like, this isn't just a few likes and shares, this is really, you know, picking up steam? Was there kind of a moment when you realized that this was really exploding on the internet?
5: Immediately. Like, I could could see the likes, the shares, the comments within the first few minutes. And then, of course... Um, the consistency of that and the way it built over the next few days, it was um, it was very it was very full on, um, but but I guess really exciting too that that such a deep and profound problem that is for a lot of women and some men too um, was being highlighted and discussed.
2: And so obviously there was an overwhelmingly positive response to this. Like again, like not that this is about me, but I just remember so clearly as a social media editor like how much our audience was responding to this and that was the case all around the world in a variety of different outlets. Like, I think you really sort of kicked off in some ways this body positivity movement online and really put these photo assets out there that were sort of giving a visual to this. So, as positive as the response was, of course, there were also some like terrible trolls saying, you know, horrible things, which we all know is just the way the internet works. Did that part of it get to you at all, to the people out there that were just completely missing the point or that were still hating on you, even though you were trying to send this positive message?
5: sometimes it was frustrating uh, reading some of the comments, but I soon learnt that I just needed to focus on what I was doing and not listen to the trolls. I mean, some of them and their comments, I mean, they were quite hideous. Um, What they were saying about my body, um, you know, they were making comments about my poor husband (laughs) thought he was doing alright in the before photograph and then in the after when apparently I let it all go um, they felt sorry for him. Um, Look, there was this a barrage of comments, and I had to make a choice very quickly: whether to let those people take my good energy, or whether I was just going to refocus myself and just, you know, head down the path that I'm on now, um, which is ignoring the haters and just getting on with it with, with positivity.
2: Right. And I, speaking of getting on with it with positivity, one thing that I love about your story and why we wanted to have you on this episode about going viral is, you know, this wasn't something that just happened and blew up and then was over. You are sort of using this to create a new documentary called Embrace, where you are talking to women all around the world about body image. So, can you talk to a little, you know, what, how did this go from being like a one off viral photo to something that you really wanted to create a movement around?
5: Well, I became increasingly frustrated with with how the media presented me and my story. It was this internet sensation um, and I thought, oh gosh, I've got so much more to say. There's, there's depth and substance, not just only to my story, but the many stories of women around the world. And I took that frustration and thought, I said very nonchalantly one day, oh, I'm going to create my own media and I'm going to make a documentary. And uh, I've never made a documentary before, and and I I would never say it the way I said it now, knowing how very hard it is. Um, But I just thought a full speech, 90 minutes to share with someone on the screen, is such an effective way of communicating. So I spent two years travelling the world. I I used Kickstarter to raise $331,000 to make the documentary.
6: Good for you. That in
5: itself was. Ashton Kutcher came out and said this is good for the world, and Rosie O'Donnell got behind it, and a uh, Perez Hilton and a whole host of um, celebrities, um, and 8,909 people around the world backed this project, <laughs> and that's what Embrace is. It's it's my story, travelling around the world to discover why so many people hate their bodies and what we can do about it. And I go to the cosmetic surgeon Beverly Hills and strip down to my knickers and say, what would you do to this body? And he tells me how broken it is and how he would fix it. Um, I catch up with Ricky Lake. Um, people all around the world, they're inspiring stories. And it's released in Australia about six weeks ago. And it's tracking to be the most successful um, documentary in Australian history. And we're That's releasing amazing. in the States. Yeah, it's very exciting it's exciting to do something with such i have such deep passion for for this subject but also for women i think we've been so anchored down by how we feel about our bodies that we're just wasting our lives and i really think this film is is a conversation starter for people to realize that this isn't a dress rehearsal we've got to get on with it we've got Mm -hmm. to embrace our bodies and and do more in life and worry less
2: i love that so, Taryn, thank you so much for sharing all of your very viral moments now with us. And I'm so excited to see the documentary when it comes out later this month in the States. Where is the best pe- where is the best place for people to sort of follow your movement and get more information?
5: Well, you can see Embrace all across um, the U.S. And the screening locations and the details are on the Body Image Movement website. So you can get all the details for Embrace and the Body Image Movement at the website, which is um, bodyimagemovement.com.
2: BodyImageMovement image movement.com. Great. Thank you so much, Tara. <laughs> and I appreciate editor. it so much.
5: <laughs> okay. Make sure you go and see the film when it comes out. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. Catch you later. Bye.
2: We talked earlier. We talked about this earlier in the podcast, but one of the strange things about social media and the idea of going viral is that we live in this culture of outrage where everything you say can and will be used against you and then reshared like one million times until you die. Our next guest is a comedian, (laughs) so she deals with that all of the time. From NBC's Superstore, please welcome comedian and actor Lauren Ash. Hey, Lauren. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Great, thank you. You're on. You're on the set of Superstore right now. Is that right? That is correct. I, I am on my lunch break right now in my trailer. Uh, we're currently shooting the
6: Halloween episode, so it's been a real fun, spooky day.
2: Oh my gosh, you're late. That sounds so glam. <laughs> trailer I lunch. Know, I know, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm jealous so, already. I, I'm
6: impossibly, I'm impossibly Hollywood. Like I've got my small dog Fox beside <laughs> me. Like it's, I'm a bit of a cliche. It's, it's you're disgusting. You're <laughs> such a
2: diva. Well, thank you. Then thank you even more for making time. Um, so this episode, oh my, God, my pleasure. Yeah. So this episode today is all about going viral, and I think in 2016 it's a really hard time to be a comedian because you probably know better than any of us that you really can't say anything off kilter or even joke about certain things without the internet sort of picking apart every single thing that you say. Is that something you've had to deal with?
6: You know, I've been pretty lucky thus far. Um, in general, the, the, the things of mine that have kind of gone viral, I were I, I did an appearance, uh, a couple of appearances on Conan over the past few years, and uh, during those appearances, I would talk about my horror nightmare dating stories. And so, what I actually came up against was just the, the troll culture and yeah. just people wanting to talk about how disgusting I am and how I must be making these stories up. Because nobody would ever want to have sex with someone who's as disgusting and overweight
2: and ugly as me. Right. So that's the typical. Been my
6: experience right. with, the, with the viral internet phenomenon. So it's it's been a it's been a real real joy.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. Just another great example of how wonderful it is to be a woman in 2016 who uses Twitter. <laughs>
6: Absolutely. Yeah. And just, you know, the fact that I talked about going out on a date just opens me up to be criticized that, again, I must be lying because no one would ever want to have sex with someone who looked like me, Um, which is great. Right. Great great message.
2: Right. That's a really great (laughs) message. And but there is, you know, whether, you know, even if you haven't necessarily that's maybe a different kind of backlash than someone like picking apart a joke you've made or whatever it is like. You know, it's the same group of trolls who are really attacking anybody for what they're saying. Do you I mean, is this a conversation that you're having with your friends in the industry in terms of like how to deal with these kind of trolls? And like, you know, you're just out there trying to live your best life. Like, how do you deal with all this criticism and constant attention?
6: You know, it's tough because. there's two ways of handling it you know there's there's the idea that it's like do you engage or do you not engage because once you engage then it's almost like they've won but then if you don't engage then they like to continue to then say oh that you're you're weak or you can't stand up for yourself or you can't defend your comedy or defend what you're doing. And then if you block them, then that's just as bad because then they can use that as, as, as a, as a, as ammo as well to say like, Oh, you know, Lauren Ash can't take it because I called her on this joke she made that I didn't like. And she, she just shut me down. So it's like, it's kind of a, a a catch 22 a little bit that, you know, people want to engage you by, you know, being outraged or faux outraged at things you're saying, but if you confront them and defend yourself, then, then people don't like that. But then if you don't and you stay quiet, people don't like that either. So it kind of puts people in a very strange position, you know? Right. And the, the few things that I can remember of my own um, that have kind of garnered any sort of outrage from people have also usually been, like, the smallest things that you don't even necessarily think about or you don't think like oh like you know I, I in general try and be a kind person and and not, you know
2: not you say that now
6: like, well, no just would, kidding yeah I know right <laughs> but then you know somebody will, will I'll say one thing in an interview and then someone's like you know oh is that you know whatever there was, I'm trying to think of a, of a, a tangible example right um, oh there were some people that got angry at, at the Olympics episode of Superstore because I make a comment about how um, in the Olympic village, nobody speaks the same language, so everything means yes and And people got upset suggesting that I was I was condoning rape and rape culture and those sure. kinds of things. But it hadn't even entered my mind and and believe me, as a woman and who is wildly aware of those kinds of comparisons, it didn't really ring to me that 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 was something that was offensive. It was more the fact that it was like everybody was there. everybody's ready to party. everybody's on board for whatever. You know what I mean? And. Right. So, It's just those little things that then, so then there's like, there's the trolls that just want to tell you that you're ugly and disgusting. And then there's the trolls that are like, you're being offensive and non-PC and not a good feminist. And then you're in the middle going like, well, apparently
2: I can't say or do anything. Right, because it's probably going to upset somebody it's going you know? to, right, you, really, exactly the point you just made, it's a lose-lose but I would love to unpack that a little because I think it's interesting to hear you say, you know of course I'm being so thoughtful about these kinds of issues and like you would never, in you know, you would never intend to make a joke that was making light of consent or anything like that you know, how do you feel about that now that people pointed it out? Like, do you stand by the original message? Do you feel like they had a point? Does it make you think, like, wow, even though I'm so thoughtful about everything I say online, I need to be even more thoughtful? Like, how do you kind of come back from that?
6: You know, with that specific example, I, I just felt like, to me, again, as a woman who has, has gone through lots of things in her life, you know, to me, it was like, I, I personally didn't read into it that way and I didn't find it offensive in that way. and and yeah, I do spend time thinking about those things and those things are on my mind and are of a concern to me. So to me I was kind of I kind of was like, I didn't engage, you know when it, when I was called out on, on social media, I didn't really engage because I was like I kind of stand by with a joke. It was a joke that was it was a part of a, a much larger joke. You know what I mean? There was a lot of other examples within that joke, sure. that, that that kind of pushed the bit home that it was like, It was more about how everybody was excited and everybody was on board and everybody wanted to party with everybody. That was just one piece. It was kind of taken out of context a little bit. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, So, yeah, I just felt like, you know, there was another time I was on Conan and I made a comment about how I was like, I said something because my my dating stories in the past have been so, so terrible that I was like, and, you know, people were like, oh, how do you, like, you seem like you should be crying. And I was like, oh, you got to laugh because that's what's going to save you from killing yourself or something along those lines. And then the suicide people got, went crazy on Twitter about how I was suicide. And and to me, I was like, but you don't know what my backstory is. You don't know what my relationship to, to mental health or, or whatever is. And, and as comedians, if nothing else, we're certainly allowed to make fun of ourselves and our own journeys and our own, you know, experiences. And so, so that made me get my back up a little bit because I was like, you don't, you don't know what my life is either. You're making wild assumptions here. Nor was I suggesting that people should kill themselves if they have bad dates. What I was suggesting was that my life is, you know, that it is really serious and there have been times where really terrible things have happened and, and why not make light of those things? Again, if I don't, then it then it starts to feel very depressing.
1: It's kind of interesting that people came at you for that because I remember Tig Navarro. Um, she kind of made light of having cancer and went viral for her segment about that. And so it's interesting That's that right. yeah, so it's interesting that people came after you for that. It's kind of the same thing.
6: Yeah, you know, it was I was, I was actually quite surprised because again, I'm sure that some people would say that I sounded glib in the moment, but the reality was is that i wasn't being glib i was being very serious you know i i again if you if you listened to the stories i was telling both in that segment and that I've, I've talked about on other talk shows you know i've had some pretty outlandish horrific bad experiences and when they start to pile up you do start to or for me i can speak to myself when they started to pile up i started to feel like oh my gosh you know is this me is there something wrong with me am i attracting these people and i went through a, a very long period of of deep depression, and that's, and that's just the truth, you know? So for me to suggest, you know, like, I have to make light of this, I have to laugh, or else I'm going to be in the doldrums, and that that's real and, and truthful, and I guess that's the reason why it also made me get my back up, is that it was like, you know, I'm not being glib, I'm not being superficial about this it's it's. uh yeah you actually kind of Los Angeles, California the dating the dating world can really get you seriously down it's like a it's a real thing
2: yeah and like I can imagine how fr- you know it's always frustrating to be attacked by trolls online but especially when you're sort of like you know I actually like have a real point of view on this and this wasn't just me making light of something but you know I think that would be one yeah. of yeah it was, because it also it also puts you in a position
6: where if you if you want to defend yourself, then you're also opening yourself up in a different way because then it's like, I don't really want to get on a soapbox and talk about what I talk about with my therapist. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I'm allowed to have that privacy too, but that doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to speak to my journey and speak to my, you know, struggles that I've gone through. Um, even if it's in a lighthearted way for sure.
2: And can I also say like, I don't want to give the trolls of the world any credit, but like, tell me if you've had this experience. Sometimes they're so clever like sometimes the things and like you deal with this on a large scale because you're an actual famous person but you know I have a few thousand followers I'm famous too just kidding no but my point is like the few times as like a writer working at Cosmo that I've had like my name dragged through the mud for something or the other like sometimes the insults people sling at me are so like well crafted and clever I'm like oh bleach cocktail like that's that's funny like what a creative way to tell me to die and like again I don't mean to give those people any credit but do you ever notice that they can get so creative with the death threats i know yeah
6: it's really amazing (laughs) so anyway i don't know what kind of uh,
2: yeah (laughs) you you know
6: my the, the stuff that comes at me is really about weight it's really a lot of body image stuff um which to me is um you know obviously depressing that it's like this is the world we live in you know and and that's what i i've said it But at the few times that i have responded especially to the like you're disgusting i think my favorite one was uh you by being on television are promoting obesity to america colon you should die that was probably my favorite one i've ever gotten um because i also was like if you look at me who is a size 12 woman and i'm happy to say i'm a size 12 woman if you look at me and say that I am so morbidly obese and disgusting that I'm suggesting that people should, you know, overeat to the point of heart attack, right. that's a really huge statement about the society that we live in, and that's more depressing to me than the insult. Like, whatever, I can take your insult. I don't care. I, I work in a business where I have to, you know, as an actor, you you endure a lot of rejection. A right. Lot of, you got a thick skin. I got a thick skin. I can take it. But it was. It's more depressing to me on a grander scale. You know. Right. I mean, there was one point I found out that there is a message board on the internet that is devoted solely to guessing how much I weigh and no. what size I am and then talking about how disgusting it is oh that oh I'm so fast. God.
2: As if And again I'm just like, this is crazy to me. You right. Know? And as if like being dis as if the thing that is disgusting in that scenario is like that you're a size twelve, which is like a perfect the average size to be in America and also my size by the way <laughs> and not the fact that yeah. these like loser basement dwellers are spending their time construing this whole narrative on a message board like that is disgusting that gives me the heebie jeebies what is wrong with people well yeah, and
0: that was what was creepy
6: to me, too, is that it was, like, there was a lot of people commenting. So, first of all, I was like, wow, I can't believe that I'm, I'm getting this much foot traffic from <laughs> from guessing my weight. Yeah. But the guesses we're also, like, people were guessing that I, that I weighed, like, 260, 265. And yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. You really think that? Like, again, and so then it also toes the line of, and that's where you have to, again, for me, it's like I just have to disengage because part of me wants to say, like, dude do you do you really because you'd be terrible you would lose the guest the white game you'd be giving away the prizes at the circus all the time if that was your job right um <laughs> but then it's like is that a joke like are you just trying to be more hurtful and and again it's just to me and i know that it's like such a cliched thing to say so i hesitate to even say it but i'm just like where are the message boards about the dudes right. and their weight you know what i mean like right. it just feels like such an attack on women in 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 the grander scale and the grander sense
2: it's just it's so boring it's It's so so boring to me oh my god I I love that
6: voice is annoying or something you know yeah why is that the only place we go
2: (laughs) no I love that you said it's boring because I usually when I have these conversations basically the entire Cosmo podcast is just like women talking (laughs) like that's all we do so usually when we have these conversations I end up feeling so outraged about it but it's better to just see it is so boring mind-numbingly boring i like oh, that yeah
6: and in general in life like i tell people like the biggest insult i could ever give anyone is calling them boring yeah <laughs> like for me personally i'm just like if you're boring it means that you're like you you like it don't matter like it's <laughs> right. like you're so boring i don't i don't care about anything about you right but, yeah that's how i tend to tend to view it is that it's like we are in 2016 this is not this is no longer an issue i mean my god, we've come so far, and it's just so depressing to feel like we still have so far to go. But at the end of the day, yeah, I just find it boring. I find anybody who's like, Caught up in how much I weigh and what I eat and whether I'm too fat or not fat enough or whatever. It's like oh yawn goodbye.
2: So yawn so snooze. (laughs) I love that. Well, you're obviously taking this all in stride and have a great perspective on it. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. And just as a kind of like a final wrap-up question before we have to let you get back to work, do you feel like to sort of like finish this conversation about going viral and what that means? Do you feel like as you've become increasingly high profile and had more and more message boards dedicated to you. like in conclusion is that sort of changing the way that you are as a comedian or the way that you you know tell jokes on twitter or you know things you might say in like a kind of off-the-cuff improv performance or anything like that has it really changed your output to be truthful and, and totally honest yeah i mean
6: i i draft things on twitter five or six times now whereas you know five, six years ago, I probably would just post and, and not really censor myself as much. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah, I got lots of things on the back of my mind all the time. I'm like, well, I don't want to post that I ate at McDonald's because then I'm going to get somebody telling me that I'm fat. I'm also going to get telling me, somebody telling me that I'm supporting a corporation I shouldn't. I'm also going to get somebody telling me that, that, that you know, the, the vegan people are, are upset. And I love the vegans. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, eat, I eat vegan food as much as I eat other food. You know what I mean? I. I so it's like... But that's like, that's just a small example of like, oh, gosh, I don't want to post that. Like, I don't want to post, but I like because I posted that I drank a McDonald's coffee once and I got so much hate and was just like, again. So, yeah, it's yeah. Truthfully, it does. It does make me personally censor myself on there. Absolutely. Um,
2: But then what's left?
6: What's left? Yeah. Like what are the safe topics?
2: one of the safe topics. Oh, gosh, traffic. Um. <laughs> the airport. I always say that's why everyone tweets at the airport. You know how, like, no one can go to the airport yes. without tweeting five things about it? It's because it's the only safe thing left. We all hate the airport. Oh,
6: my gosh.
2: You know, and then, what I will,
6: what I will say is is
2: that I, th- even
6: though I feel like I do approach some of my tweeting definitely with, with more, like, concern about what I'm saying or whatever, um, I feel like the Snapchat kind of phenomenon has has been interesting because it goes away like it's 24 hours long and it goes away and yeah you know people can screen grab and you can rip videos from it or whatever but I feel like the disposable nature of that has made me feel a little bit looser so it's like sometimes you know filming doing something dumb you know I was filming something about like these preparation H boxes I found on set the other day and if it was like Twitter I would probably feel weird about like oh I don't want this to live in live live on forever so that people six months from now can like go back in my timeline and find this thing and get mad about it again right. but on Snapchat it's like it's gone after 24 hours so I feel like I feel like a little bit freer in, in that platform which I was so I was so skeptical and, and I fought against the like Snapchat I thing and then I got into it and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. You can actually do some fun stuff.
2: Right. There's, There's like, a comedian on there, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. There's like a freedom there and and you can turn yourself yeah. into a deer or whatever. <laughs> endless, endless. <laughs> right. um, so before you officially have to go back to work, tell us what can we expect from the next season of Superstore and when should people tune in to see it? I'm
6: so excited for people to see this season. We premiere September 22nd at 8
2: p.m., uh, and then we're
4: going to be
6: Thursdays at 8 on NBC, 7th Central. Uh, and there's so much great stuff. I mean, last season we left off on a cliffhanger. We left off with everybody hating my character, Dina, because I went against the rest of the team. And we come back in season two, and I'm not going to lie, people are still going to hate Dina for a little while. But I will say that she does eventually redeem herself, so I'm very excited for people to see that. Um, But, yeah, we've got so many exciting things. We've got a Halloween episode, an election episode. Um, It's just uh, there's so much fun stuff, and the writing is so great. And everybody, I mean, our cast gets along so well. We all love each other. And and as soon as we got back, the first scene of of season two, we all were like, it was like we've never left. It was like we never had a break. So um, I'm just really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited for people to, to get to see some some more stuff, some more crazy antics.
2: Wait, I don't know why, but that literally just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I feel like I'm way too emotionally <laughs> invested in this conversation. But Lauren, thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it so much. And um, do you want to just shout out your Twitter handle so that all the trolls listening to this podcast know where to fling some hate at you?
6: Absolutely. It's at Lauren underscore Ash. You can find me there on Twitter. Yeah, come at me. Get a, guess the weight, win a prize. You know I <laughs> I welcome it. Bring
2: it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. It was great to chat. Yeah, so nice. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Caitlin, don't you just feel like weird joy in your heart after talking (laughs) to all these super famous people? (laughs) Who else has gone viral? Can they come in? Right, Exactly. (laughs) If you have ever gone viral and you're listening to this right now, um, let us know. But what was your takeaway from today? What did you learn about going viral?
1: One of the things I thought was really interesting is that there's this really intense, like, after people go viral, there's either, like, a lot of love or a lot of hate or a lot of both, and a lot of times, I think people have said that it has kind of maybe made them censor the way that they share stuff on social media moving forward after that moment, and it's kind of crazy because social media is supposed to be this thing that, like, connects everyone and is, like... I think a lot of times thought of as a really positive thing, but there's this huge ne- like negative side to it, which is crazy. I
2: think it's not surprising to hear that people censor themselves, but it's a little sad. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're having writers, comedians, actors, you know, these really hi- high-profile people that are essentially saying, like, yeah, I you know like I think Lauren saying like yeah I I at my my jokes five times before I even post them is kind of crazy. Yeah, Um, I feel like to sum this up I should tell a famous story that you know and have heard a million times (laughs) about a time I thought I was going to go viral which is I wrote an essay years ago for cosmopolitan.com called Your Pet is Bullshit and it was all about how (laughs) I hate animals. It was infamous. I was like this is going to go viral in the pet hating community everyone is going to agree that animals are (laughs) slobbery and whatever. Um, Turns out, spoiler alert There is no pet (laughs) hating community. (laughs) It went zero viral. No one cared. The like five people that did read it just like. We're so mad at me. It
1: <laughs> so, kind of goes back to that thing where you just like never know when something's gonna go viral. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Any day now. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to help make the
2: Cosmopolitan.com podcast go viral, please share it <laughs> and like it and rate it in the iTunes store. I appreciate you guys tuning in so much every week. Even the person who tweeted at me and said that if the podcast was a drinking game and you drank every time I it right, <laughs> you would be drunk halfway through. I even appreciated that. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and Caitlin, thank you so much as Hi, always for you. Joining in, um, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.